Hey, welcome back to the Unbroken Ground. This is episode two, starting off the new year, uh, 2023, with a brand new topic, thoughts, um, all that kind of thing. I do want to uh, just mention that uh, if you are listening to this podcast, uh, I do want to invite you to join. We do have a face group. Facebook group called The Unbroken Ground. Uh, it is a private group, so you do have to ask permission to join, but if you, you can search it, it is public in that sense. You can search it and find it, and you can ask to join, and uh, I will uh, gladly let you join that if you uh, if you want to be a part of that as well. Uh, one of the things that's really cool that I'm excited about that's coming up um, here in at the beginning of February is that uh, as a group, um, some people in that group are going to start a, a book study. I'm going to be leading one. Um, just just kind of have a discussion, and the book that we're going to talk about is uh, by a, a, a pastor named Mark Buchanan. Um, he's written several books, um, but this one specifically that we're going to work on is I work through is called "Your Church Is Too Safe," uh, and it's it's uh, it's based on the idea that. Uh, in, there's this verse in Acts that talks about the fact that the followers of Jesus uh, turned the world upside down. That's how they were described. They they uh, were so different, uh, so um, unique uh, that they, they they caused the world to turn to to basically be turned upside down. Um, and uh, he uh, Mark Buchanan just kind of be, he looks through uh, his own experiences at church and just begins to talk about the idea of like. If we're followers of Christ and we are still kind of carrying on that tradition, uh, being a follower of Christ, that um, why why isn't it that we are not why is it that we are not turning the world upside down as Christians, as churches, as as organizations um, that are supposed to be the uh, the continuation of the mission of what Jesus did and and uh, and continuing on then through the apostles and the uh, and then through Paul and and on through Acts like. Like we are supposed to be that, and so we're going to talk about that. And and uh, so I'm, I welcome um, any anybody who's listening who wants to be part of a book study. All you got to do is uh, join join us at the Unbroken Ground group because um, we're going to be doing some discussions based uh, on those as you participate. Um, and then also you just got to pick up the book. Um, so it's called Your Church Is Too Safe uh, by Mark Buchanan. Uh, I found it on Amazon. Um, you can uh, I know some some people who have already picked it up. It's on Kindle. Uh, so there's lots of ways that you can participate. Uh, we're just going to be reading one chapter basically every two weeks uh, and then opening it up to some discussion and those type of things. So just those are the those are the two ways that you can further further be well. There's three ways I guess. Um, we also ha I also have an Instagram account called the Unbroken Ground, and uh, just so if you want to follow along that as well, that's another way that you can kind of get updates and find out about stuff that's going on. Uh, just the different things that we're doing, um, different 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 communities trying to build, uh, reach out and just uh, make connections uh, with lots of people across across lots of different spectrums. Um, so those, those are kind of the, the um, upkeep. I am still working on getting this uh, podcast, uh, looking into getting it put on uh, like iTunes and, and Spotify and Google and looking at all that. Haven't done it yet. i I went to Texas for a couple of weeks uh, for vacation, for holidays, and so um, there was a huge pause in there. So my apologies for that. Um, there is something that's coming. There's something that I want to do uh, before too much more of the year gets away from us, but I haven't done that yet. Um, and, and there's a lot of different things that uh, I hope to do with the podcast, uh, and uh, including inviting some friends and, and changing up the format here and there. Uh, but for now, it's just going to be me speaking at you, uh, just kind of sharing my heart. Um, and so that's that's what we're going to do today.
Um, and I think just to start, I just want to start us off with um, a scripture uh, that I've been just really thinking about and praying through and meditating on. Um, and it's it's found in, in uh, the Gospel of John. Uh, it's in John chapter 6. And John chapter 6 has uh, some very intense stories in it. It is uh, it is this chapter where Jesus feeds the, the 5,000. Um, it's where Jesus walks on the water. Um, then after Jesus walks on the water, Jesus begins to talk about this uh, this this bread and this this blood and and almost makes it seem like he's saying some very cannibalistic language um, and a lot of the disciples as uh, that the not just not his disciples necessarily, not the, th- the people we think of as the disciples, but the people who had been following around found that the teaching was too hard. They, they just couldn't, they couldn't uh, reconcile it um, with what they wanted. They, they enjoyed the, the miracles they saw. They enjoyed the, the feeding of the, like having food. Um, they, they thought Jesus um, in, in different ways. They, they thought he was going to be something else. Um, and he wasn't. Um, and so uh, there's this there's this point where the uh, uh, in in verse 66 is where we'll start, where people just begin to just abandon Jesus, like uh, the people who would follow around. They just said, "I can't do this anymore," and they were just leaving him in droves. Um, and so this is what it says in in NIV version. John chapter 6, verse 66 says this. It says, From this time, many of the disciples, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Verse 67 says, You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. And then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. I, I love... Uh, this interaction here because I love what it means for people who just don't have it all figured out. They just have a little bit figured out. Um, Peter, Peter doesn't say, Hey Jesus. Yeah, we totally are tracking with you on this whole uh, flesh and blood thing that you've been going on back and forth with these people, this discussion that you've been having that's causing everybody to take off. Yeah, we've got that. Yeah, we, we somehow picked it up better than anybody else. We, we've, we've got that under our understanding. Uh, we're good to go, and we're with you. But instead, Peter says something I think that is, is just his, his honest truth um, at the moment. He's, he was just like, Jesus, we don't understand fully, but what we do understand, the thing that we do know is that you're the ones that have, you, you are the only one that has the words of eternal life. You, nowhere else can we go. Where, where else could we, could we go? Who else could we go to? Uh, and it's, it's just you, God, you, Jesus have the, the words and we, we know, um, we believe it, that you're the Holy one. And, and it's just, a, it's just an amazing place to start this year. Um, because I, th- I think that, um, we've just gone through a lot of turmoil in life, um, in, in our culture, in our world. Uh, we've, we're, we've had things like the pandemic and we've had, um, some, some life altering, changing, uh, uh events, um, in, all across the world. And I think that just starting from a foundational place, um, is this idea of just like, I don't know anything else, but I know, Jesus, that you are the one who has the words of eternal life. And I think it's just so important to us to understand that, that what Jesus means and what God means when you're talking the Bible about eternal life is not just what happens when you die, but it is very important for us to understand that it is uh, very much about who we are 
while we're still here on this earth. Like, eternal life doesn't start when we die. Eternal life is now and soon all through eternity. Like, we are becoming the people that God wants us to become here on this earth. And, and while we're here on this earth, we're still called to live out a kingdom life. And, and that's, our, that's our vocation. Like, that's what we're called to do. Whatever else that we, are, we do in this life, we are called, if we're followers of Jesus, we are called to the vocation of living out uh, eternity. But I, but I think that all of that gets, can, be, can feel overwhelming and difficult. Um, all of life can feel overwhelming and difficult. And so from a, from a reset point, from a stopping point, from a take a breath point, from a, hey, I don't have anything else figured out, I come back to this passage where I say, as the disciples did to Jesus, Jesus, I, where, else, where else could I possibly go to know the truth? Where else could I possibly go to know what it means to have eternal life? You are the only one who has the words of eternal life. You're the only place I can find it. And, and you're the only one who can provide that. We know that you are the Holy One of God. Like that, that foundation uh, to, is, is where we place our faith. Paul says in, in Romans, he says that if, if Jesus didn't live, die, and was, and was resurrected, then we place our faith in meaningless things. It's all for nothing. We know that our, our foundation of what we believe is because of the words that Jesus preached, the life that he lived, the death that he, that he suffered for us, and his resurrection, which conquered the penalty of death and sin. And that doesn't mean we won't see an earthly death unless Jesus comes again, but it does mean that we no longer have to be separated from God, that our sin no longer separates us. And so... All of the big questions that we have, and there's lots of big questions to consider. And the more that you the read the Bible and the more that you follow after Jesus, the more, the bigger those questions get. And sometimes even the harder those questions get. If you get, if you find yourself kind of drowning, lost, wondering what it all means, the foundation that you can come back to is this verse here, where it's just the disciples just saying, Jesus, we don't know. We don't, there's nowhere else to go. Where else would we go? We can't, we can't think of any other place that has the words of life like we, we experience when we're here with you. I, I, think, um, I think sometimes it just gets so hard uh, to understand life because we, we see, in America, we see um, blessing through the idea of success and we see blessing through the idea of uh everything working out like we think that it should, like God has this plan for us, but, but we are suspicious that that plan is something that's great and grand and, and, uh, and full of, of blessings. And, and we equate blessings with material wealth. And, and we, when things don't go well, then we're like, Oh, is, is God telling me not to do something? Is there another, what, what am I doing? And, and I think that, um, one of the things that, that, that as we start the new year, I want to talk about is that when we come back to the foundation that Jesus is the only one with true life in his words is to listen to his word. And so uh, one of the things that, that um, uh, as I think about a new year and I think about the word new and I think about that concept, um, there's just some things that, that really have, have stuck with me. And one of them is this idea of like, God is going to give you a new heart. It's what his word tells us. 
But but more than that, I think that it helps us to consider what Jesus says in the, the Sermon on the Mount about our hearts. What it's what what Jesus basically says is 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 this. He says, store up treasures in heaven. Because if you store up treasures in heaven, then you're you're placing them somewhere where robbers can't steal them, where they can't rust, where they will where they'll last forever. And and the reason that we put these treasures in heaven is, is not because we're in some way have some kind of ledger where we're like, hey, we're going to do enough good things for Jesus that, that if we do enough good things that Jesus will love us. No, what, what, it, what Jesus wants us to understand and what it, what's a, a very true um, reality in the world is that where our treasure is, there our heart will be. Where our treasure is, that's where our heart will be. And our heart is that, that what, is it, what is it that we think about? What is the thing that we care about? What is the thing that, that seat of, of who we are, in the core of who we are, what is it that we value? And see, when we treasure things of this world, our heart gets set on things of this world, and this world is temporary, and this world is finite, and this world will rust, and it'll, it'll be, can be stolen, and it can be destroyed. I remember listening to a comedian one time, and he, I, I don't know if he was a Christian or not, but he, he said, you know, they say that money can't buy you happiness. Um, he goes, but, but money can buy you a jet ski, and you've never seen anybody on a jet ski look unhappy. That may be true. I've never been on a jet ski, so I can't testify to that. But what I can testify is that if, if, if you own a jet ski, there's some things that come with that. Um, one is, do you have a trailer to haul it around? B, do you, two, do you have a, a place to store it? Uh, what's all that cost? What happens when the jet ski breaks down? What happens if somebody steals your jet ski? What, how, where, what, what happens when you have to, uh, fix it and pay more money and, and, and you have to worry about all that and, and you have to think about all that. And so while you might be happy out in the middle of the lake on your jet ski, it is it has attachments it's got strings that are attached that that are just full of avenues where we worry and so jesus says to to these to his followers to the people who are listening to him he says hey don't work for treasures that are of this world don't don't strive for the things of this world don't measure by the things of this world in America, we've got it so backwards because we, not only do we think of people, uh, of God's blessing in mostly material ways, like God loves me so he'll help me get a good job or he'll help me pay the rent or I'll have a nice house or he'll keep my, my family wealthy and healthy and fat and fit or whatever. Not only do we do that, but we all we all we also fall into the same problem that the uh, people of Jesus' day did and still do. It's never gone away. Is that we equate morality with wealthiness? So so when Jesus a little bit later in Matthew, when Jesus says to the rich young fool, to the rich young man, hey, if you really want to follow me sell all of your stuff, give it away, and then come follow me. And then the rich man, young man walks away because he had great wealth. And, and then he says this thing, he turns to the disciples, because the disciples are sitting there going, hey, if this rich guy who looks, go looks real good, he's, he follows all the commandments like he said, and he's rich so we know God is blessing him, if he can't make it into heaven, 
If he can't find the path to heaven, who can? And Jesus turns around and he says, hey, you know what? It's actually easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. It's, and one of the reasons he says that is because that there is no equivalent of morality based on the wealth that you have. Um, it, it can be. Sometimes if you don't have good morals and you make bad choices and you, and you don't do well with what you have, if you don't have work ethic and those types of things, that can lead to you not being as wealthy as you possibly could be. But, but there isn't actually, God, God isn't checking your morals um, and, then, and then awarding accordingly to giving you as far as what you have. Like, I, it's, it's kind of like this catch-22 thing. Like, God does give us things, but he gives us things because he wants us to not be attached to them. And so he gives us things um, for us to steward well, for us to be able to let go of them, to share with other people. To, to, I mean, look at, the, look at the church in Acts 4. Um, they uh, came together, and when anybody was in need, somebody would sell somebody the land, and they would just bring it in, and, and they would just lay it down in front of the disciples and say, hey, I had this land. I sold it here. Bless, bless the church. Bless the community. Let me be a part of that. Um, like, that's strange behavior to us. Um, because we, we live in such a culture that is so independent and that, and we, we worship at the altar of being financially independent. Like we think that if you're financially dependent, that you actually have something morally wrong. Like I, I, that's, that's the attitude that we come at that. Like, oh, you can't pay your bills. Oh, you're in debt. Oh, well, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have racked up all that money, uh, all that credit card debt. You shouldn't have done that. Um, can't, or, you know, have you ever thought, man, I don't know if I should give money to that person because I don't know how they're going to spend that money. Like if I, if I give money to the person on the side of the road, are they just scamming me? Are they, are they going to take that money? Are they going to go buy alcohol and drugs? Are they gonna, how are they going to spend that? I'm not, I don't know. I, I just can't give that to them. Like, like we tag, we tie morality in with the amount of wealth someone has. It's, it's why we revere superstars and, and rich people. Um, it's, it's why we think that people who have money, gives, it qualifies them to be, to be better, to, to, to be experts, to be people we listen to. And, and yet, it's been that same problem since Jesus' time, and even before that. Because we try to ascertain the blessings of God by looking at the outside. I mean, go back to, to when David was, was chosen to be the next king of Israel. What, like, like all of the sons were brought before the prophet Samuel. And, and here comes this really strong looking one. And, and Samuel goes, this has got to be the guy. And God's like, not him. And, and they go through and all the, the really good looking sons. And he's like, not him, not him, not him. And he goes, is there somebody else? And, and they're like, yeah, there's the runt. David, he's out in the fields. We didn't even think to call him in because there's no way he's the guy. And, and, and God says, that's the one. Because he's a man after my heart. But we just don't, we don't have good good eyes we don't have good vision and we see the outside and and we see and we think oh 
you know, if if God's really uh, if God really wants you to do something, then the money will follow. Then you'll you'll find blessing. You won't be in need. You won't you won't have to worry about those things because God God will take care of you. But that's not really what God's word tells us. Like it's it's what what God's word tells us is that that having Jesus and His gospel and His life is enough. Paul Paul says, I know how to I know how to do all things, not not in the sense that that is so used incorrectly so often that I know how to do all things, like I can lift trucks or I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. But but he knows how to be in all situations, whether in whether he and he says whether he has health or whether he has wealth or whether he's in need because of who Christ is, his 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 uh, sustenance, his strength is in Christ. It's not in whether or not he has money or whether or not he has food. And we have so insulated ourselves from that. We, we've, we've created a culture that says, no, you, got to, you have to save up. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. Unless, unless we've substituted that, that control, that financial independence for our treasure. And then we say, we go back and it says, and Jesus says, don't store up treasures here. And we go, oh, Jesus, we're not storing up treasures. We just want to be financially independent. So we don't, we're not a burden on anybody. So we're not seen as somebody who can't take care of our bills. And Jesus says, don't let your heart be caught on the treasure of this, of this, of this world. And it's so countercultural that that it, it doesn't even make sense to us. Because one of the things I think that was so obvious when COVID happened was that we didn't understand that we weren't in control. Like, like we, would, we would give our lip service to say, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, we're, you know, God's in control, we're not in control. But then COVID hit. And, and the economy shut down. I don't know if you guys remember that two years ago. Like we were like, everybody just shelter in place. The economy shut down. We didn't know what was going to happen. You, there was no way. You didn't know if you were going to get sick or not. You didn't have any control of that. And the randomness of COVID was that you didn't know if you were going to survive or not. For some people, yeah, it was just the flu or you didn't even have symptoms. But for some very healthy people, it, it, was, it was bad. And, and we go, oh, I need savings, Jesus, because if I have my savings, then I don't have to be a burden on anybody, and I, I can be in control, and I can, I can plan, and, and, it's, and it's wise to plan. And the answer is, yes, it is. Yes, it is. But where's your treasure? Here's, here's what Jesus says. He says, as he continues on a little later, he says, man cannot serve two masters. He, he either loves one and, and hates the other. Um, and so he says, he finishes that scripture, he says, in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, talking about where your treasure is, he says, you can either serve God or money, but you can't serve both. Even in Jesus' day, it was so well understood that the lure of serving money was so strong that Jesus was like, you can't, you can't serve both. You can't. You'll hate, you'll hate one, or you'll hate the other, but you can't, and you can't serve both. You can't serve both God and money. 
And see, there's there's nothing necessarily wrong with having money. The wrongness is when we make it our idol. And so this new year, as you think about what life means and, and where you place your treasure, that, that's the question, right? Have I made money my idol? And, and you may go, oh, I, that's easy. I don't have enough. Even that statement makes me question, where's my heart? Like, I don't have enough money. Like, I should have more. Like, I, and, and like, or I, or I'm content with a little bit I have. Where's your treasure? Is it in that, that, that when you have financial crisis, when you have a health crisis, when you have a, a life-altering event, what's the first thing that goes through your mind? Oh, I wonder if my savings can handle this. I wonder if I have enough money to be able to not be in a job. I wonder if I have enough money to make it through this cancer. I wonder if my savings are enough if I had to retire today. Where is your treasure? You can have savings and you can have those things and not that not be your treasure. But I think it, it bears great fruit. Because Jesus talks about it. And Jesus brings it back up again and again. It bears great fruit to consider your heart. Because where your treasure is, your heart will be. Which means that if you allow your heart to find treasure on this world, then some of that heart, even if it's not your whole heart, then some of that heart's not been given over defining treasure in Jesus. I don't have it all figured out. I feel like Peter most of the time, where I go, God, I, you've, you've been saying some difficult things, and I'm still trying to figure out how to follow you and be the person you want me to be. But what I do know is that Jesus has the words of life, and he's the only one. And so, God, I want you to have my whole heart. I need you to have my whole heart. I need you to help me place my treasure in you and nowhere else. God, let us say no to the siren song of self-dependence. And let us say yes to depending upon your goodness and to find, to find the grace to live in whatever circumstances we may find ourselves. As Paul says in Philippians, may we be able to do all things through Christ who strengthens us. May it not be about what we have or don't have, but about who it is that we serve and who it is that we know. May our treasures be in you.